Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. today of what if, what if, and the whole concept behind this sermon series is to ask you questions that will stir your, your emotions and your imagination to help you frame and think how 2020 can be your best year ever. Last Sunday, if you were not here, we asked this question, what if you prayed Okay, good, good. There were a few people here. What if we prayed first where instead, where instead of smoking first, punching the wall first, cussing first, Facebooking first, somebody said, having a one-night stand first, trying to control people first, binge eating first, what if we changed our default responses to praying first? Okay, and what we gave out last, last week were these wristbands here that say pray first 2020. Have these been somewhat helpful for you? Okay, Lacey, I think we've got some of these left, right? At the Next Steps booth. If you did not get a pray first uh, wristband last week, you can go out uh, and check that out at the Next Steps booth. But also, too, if you were not here last Sunday, check out the sermon SoundCloud, iTunes, or the LifeHouse Newport News app, you can check that out there. Because honestly, typically prayer is our last resort instead of our first response. And what we want to do in 2020 is to change our default responses from doing unhealthy habits first to saying, God, I need to pray first. Amen? Today, I want to ask you this question. What if, how would 2020 be different What if you had people to help? What if you had people to help? Because I sincerely believe the change and new habits that you want to see in 2020, you are literally one relationship away from seeing change happen. Not just with Jesus, but also with people. I tell this story all the time about Six years back, I was in a point in my life where I was extremely unhealthy, physically. And honestly, I looked, I just looked bad. Let me show you how bad that I actually looked. I know many of you wonder, how do you get such a beautiful just physique and body? And I know many of you have wondered that and just said, man, I'm just kidding. Hopefully my wife wondered, and I was kidding. Right, but 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 this this was me six years ago, where I was at a point where I was, I mean, look at me. I mean, I was unhealthy, stressed to the to the max, not eating well. And it it was just it just wasn't good. And and that was taken in August of 2014, and in December of 2014. A guy named Kerry Jones, Kerry Jones, the bald Asian rock that's a part of our church. Uh, we became friends, and I remember one day I was just like, hey, dude, I would love to start working out in, in 2015. 
and he was just like, okay, dude, well, uh, well do me a come out at 5 o'clock, and, man, we can go hit the gym together, and I'll teach you some things. And I was like, awesome, man. I get off work at 4.30, then I'll meet you at the gym at 5. And he was like, nah, bro, I'm talking about 5 a.m. And I was like, yeah, Jesus ain't even up that, that, like that early. I know the Bible says he got up early to go and pray, but it wasn't no 5 a.m. But honestly, it was one of those things. I got to a point where I was desperate enough. <laughs> Y'all like, yeah, I can see why. <laughs> like, I got to a point where I was desperate enough where I said, do you know what? I got to do something that I've never done before to, to, to get a result that I've never had. And, and, and then I finally got to this point where I said, Carrie, all right, I'm going to latch my physical train to Carrie's physical train and be like, Carrie, I need you to help me. And I remember there were so many mornings I woke up at 4.15 a.m. And I wanted to throw my phone. I wanted to say, get behind me, Satan. And just chuck it and be like, but, but then I knew if I didn't show up, I knew I'd be getting a text message. Where you at, Sleeping Beauty? Where you at, man? And when I couldn't do what I wanted to do for myself, it was the thought and presence of somebody that had been where I wanted to be that had results that I wanted to have, that finally helped me get over this hump in my life where I was unhealthy. And I just said, so, so now what has happened, it, it was following him that in my life helped develop new habits to where after about three to four years, I'm like, Carrie, I love you, but your workout program, I'm not doing no more. No more. <laughs> it's just like, Carrie's like, like this. Right? I'm like, this white boy ain't designed that, that way. <laughs> you know, and it was, it, but, but here's the thing. It was the spark, push, and accountability I needed to get something started that I couldn't start on my own. And what I believe that many of you need, need today is exactly that in your life. You need somebody that will help you, push you, and spark the change that you want to see on your own. And what I believe in our cultures, we have people that are in two camps. They want and need too much help, or they don't want any help at all. So they are unhealthily dependent on people to carry loads for them, or they are unhealthily reclused to where they don't let anyone help them carry anything. And it's these kind of two sides that people fall into, where Scripture gives us incredible insight into this. Whenever Paul, in Galatians chapter 6, he makes a distinction between a load and a burden. Galatians 6.5 tells us this. This is what Paul said. He's talking to the church in Galatia here, and he says, For each one should carry their own load. Meaning, there is a certain set of expectations and standards that we are called to carry as human beings. But what ends up happening many times is we take what is supposed to be our load, and we end up putting our load on someone else. That we should be responsible for doing ourselves. But then he says in Galatians 6, 2, he says this, carry each other's burdens. 
and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. But what he was saying here is there will be life things that happen and go on that you won't be able to carry on your own. You will have circumstances and you will have situations and you will have dis- dispositions about yourself that you are going to have to take what, what th- this burden you have and come to your brother or sister and say, I need you to help me carry this. But at the same time, there are things in your life that are simply a responsibility of being a, an, an adult. And unfortunately, it seems like in, in our culture, we have people putting off adulthood till later and later. Where they, don't, they, they flee responsibility like the plague. They flee carrying their own load like the plague. And they're quick to blame shift. And they're quick to point out why they can't get, their on, get on their feet. Why they can't control themselves. So a big thing is knowing what is a load and what is a burden. But some of you fall into these camps where you are unhealthily dependent on people. And those people that you are unhealthily depending on know it. Where you are emotionally relying on them, financially relying on them, physically relying on them unhealthily. But then there are some people here, you don't want any help. And you like, I'm good. I'm good. Life is grand. Blessed, highly favored. The head, not the tail. You know, and, and, and like, you're just like, you don't want any help. But what we've got to do is we've got to know what is a load and what is a burden and where do we fall in. And, but there are some people here. If you would define the way you feel, you would define your current situation, your current place of a particular area in your life, you would say that you are paralyzed in. Paralyzed means you can't move. You've even tried to move it. You have a, you have a place in you, either physically, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, financially, maritally, relationally, or morally that you would define in your life that you are paralyzed in. And you're trying to move the needle, and you're trying to get through it, and you're trying to get over it. But if I were to give it language for you, what you would say is you're paralyzed. And I just want us to do something really uncomfortable right now. I want us to pause and just take a few seconds of silence, and I want you to identify what that is in your life. What area of your life that you would say you are paralyzed in? And we're just going to take a few uncomfortable seconds here. Silence is always uncomfortable, especially in church. I'm not a, a big fan of it. But, but here's the thing. I believe if we're going to get the weight of what God wants to say to us today, that we've got to identify and have a pinpoint of how this message is going to apply to you. So we're going to take a few seconds of silence, and then I'll just dive right back in. Identify what part, what point of your life you would say you are paralyzed in. I don't know about maybe for you it is a physical paralyzation where you've tried to you've tried to get physically 
healthy and you try and it just, you just can't do it. Maybe it's an emotional pattern where you get into this place and you just go into a dark hole for days and weeks and you say, I'm gonna get better, I'm, I'm gonna get better. Maybe it's a financial pit. You just can't control your spending. And you realize you go out and buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like to make up for feelings you don't have. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe literally it's sex, alcohol, pills, pornography, where you are just paralyzed. Maybe it's maritally, where you just, you know, you put up the front, you know, kids are happy, good Facebook picture. The family looks happy, but on the inside, you know the relationship is dying. And you've hoped and hoped and you've, but honestly, if you were to find it, it's paralyzed. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, this is a story the gospel writer Luke tells about Jesus. Where Jesus was in this house teaching, and whenever Jesus taught, there were crowds that came to him. And they just gathered around him. And, you know, they were intrigued by Jesus. A lot of people were intrigued by Jesus' teaching. They would, they would even say things like, the stuff this guy's saying, we've never heard before. The kind of things this guy's doing, this is just really, really new to us. And there was this big crowd around Jesus. And that is setting the story for, for what we're going to check out here in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. This is what it says. It says, one day Jesus was teaching. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed, everyone say paralyzed. Paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, everyone say roof, and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this dude? Sorry, that's the John Ware version. Who is this dude speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of God, that the, or excuse me, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Imagine you were been paralyzed for, the, for your whole life. And in a moment, an instantaneous moment with Jesus, you were free. What would you do? Be the Holy Ghost hop going on, you know, not me. But it says, Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave, God praise, and gave praise to God while they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable, everyone say remarkable things today. I was sent here today to let some of you know that that paralyzed man is you. That paralyzed man is you. I, can, I guarantee that paralyzed man had a desire to be healed. He knew he needed to be healed, but he could not get to the point of encountering God and seeing life change happen without the help of other people. He couldn't get in. Because he couldn't get in, he needed some people to help him get to a place where he couldn't go to. And there are many reasons why we reject help. 
there are many reasons why we throw up the I'm good card. And I just want to give you a few of those. And these are in your sermon notes. But let me give you a couple of the reasons why I know you, I, we, we reject help. First one is pride, just straight up pride. Flat out. We perpetually put our head in the ground. We have the ostrich syndrome where we just deny reality, deny reality, and we have the ostrich syndrome. I'm good. I'll get over it. I just need some time. I just want to let you know 20 years is enough time. If you're not over it by now and you just keep saying I'm good, I got this, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. You need to stop denying reality, put your pride away, and realize I need some help. Fear. Some people have fear. Like, what are people going to think of me if I share this? What are people going to think if they realize my marriage is terrible? What are people going to feel or think or if they realize that I am depressed? What are they going to feel or think if they realize I'm sexually dysfunctional? What are they going to feel or think if and fill in the blank? Fear can be one of the greatest hindrances to, to people helping you to overcome what is paralyzing you. Past, ex, past experiences. Like I've tried to have people help me. And they've always just, and we use the word always. All people, always, every, every time. And what we end up doing is we actually end up projecting our past onto people in the present or future that have the power and strength to help us, but we are stuck in projection mode, projecting what happened to us on the people that God is sending you to see change happen in your life. Past experiences can hinder the work and the change that God wants to see because you've been hurt. I know you've been hurt. I know people will fail you, and that's why Scripture is clear. The main person you got to have your trust in is not man. It is in the power and presence of God. God will use men, but men are finite. Look in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. God uses people, but people are finite and will fail. And I guarantee you, God will use people, but ultimately your faith and trust needs to be in him. But here's the thing. Don't let, what if, what if this guy would have said, yeah, well, I've had people try to get me through roofs, and they dropped me. And I got even more paralyzed. One dude was trying to take, take me up a ladder, and he dropped me. I'm never going up roofs again. Ever. But, but also, too, I think some of us, we don't, we don't seek change. Reasons we don't receive or get help is because you haven't experienced enough pain or consequence yet. And that's a hard one. Because unfortunately, when people seek change the most is when they're at the very bottom. And I just want to encourage you today, implore you today, don't wait till you get there. Don't wait for the worst pain and consequences. Don't wait to feel the full brunt of that. Get help. But what I love is that this guy, this paralyzed man, pushed past all of the excuses he could have given. And he was like, yo, take me up this ladder here, get me on the roof, remove this dude's roof. And get me to Jesus. Get me to the one that I can see life change through. And I think that this just challenges us. How desperate are you to see change this year? Seriously, how desperate are you? How, how sick and tired of being sick and tired are you? 
How sick and tired of having the same resolutions are you? Because if you have a good plan in place and you have accountability in place, if you have good structure in place, you don't need resolutions. Your resolutions are already in place because you are living the life you want to live and that you know that God's called you to. But what does desperate look like for you? What does cutting a hole in the roof look like for you? Because I, I think it's different for each person here. Where we say, what does, what does desperate look like to us? Desperate to this guy was climb me up there, get, get a sawzall, cut a hole in the roof, lower me down there. Maybe for you, being desperate is simply just telling somebody this is where you currently are. Maybe it's finally instead of putting up a front and putting up this thing of like, it's all good, you finally say, I'm going to take the wall down, I'm going to take the mask off. There was this one cat that I was talking with who said, I'm just, just, you know, having insane spending problems. I'm just like, how desperate are you? He's like, I'm not, I don't know. I was like, give someone access to your bank account. Have someone else's eyes looking at your money. So when you spend unhealthily, hey, bro, $700 at Best Buy? Don't think that was for a VGA cable. <laughs> but you've got to ask, how desperate are you? What does crawling up onto a roof and being lowered down look like for you? Because the truth is this, desperate people do desperate things. And my question is, how desperate are you to see change this year? What are you sick and tired of being sick and tired about? And, my, and what I implore you to do is, is, to, is, is, is to know you might be one relationship away from someone that is where you want to be and you latching on to them for accountability, for insight, wisdom, prayer, and relationship. But honestly, I'm, I believe today that there are some people here you would honestly and sincerely, and you have no pride, but you would say, John, you know, there are some things in, in my life that I would say, yes, I, I, would, I might need some help. You would say sincerely and honestly. You'd be like, John, there are some, you know, things in my life that, that honestly I need to get right. But, but at the same time, you are in a position to help. Maybe you aren't the paralyzed man, but you could be one of the four helping the paralyzed man. Get up the ladder and drilling a hole in the roof, and going and paving a way for those that can't get to a place where they need to be. And I just believe in this church, I, I believe here, because let me tell you how church people work, they, they love to hide. And, so, and really, sometimes in a church this size, they can come in, get, get the word, way make a good word, Pastor John. And they walk out. And I'm just like, if the Lord has worked in your life, if the Lord has got you to a place in your walk where you are not controlled by anything, everything, you're walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, I'm, I'm imploring you today, we need you. There are people in this church who are paralyzed 
and that need you to be one of the ones carrying the mat for them and saying, I will get you up this roof. I will take a sawzall. I will take a skill saw and cut a hole in this roof and get you to a place of life change that you could not get you on your own. It's not just about getting help. It's about giving help. Maybe you aren't the paralyzed one, but because honestly, I've had people say, life groups, now I'm not going to go. I already know everything they're talking about in life groups. Okay, perfect. Well, apparently, you're, you'd be a great life group leader. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'm just like, really? Okay. If, if, if you that put together, if you are that unparalyzed, then, then get in the game. Take a side of the mat and help people up that can't get to a place where they want to go for themselves. And I sincerely believe that literally in this congregation here is that there are some of you like that. And God's call to you today, God's challenge to you today is to get in the game and help some people start carrying burdens that they can't carry on them, that they can't carry on themselves. One of the things that we say at this church, and we have people wearing these shirts that just kind of just like randomly, just like all over the place, and, and you'll see these words, don't do life alone. Where it is amazing to me how many people come to church and try to live this Christian life alone. They'll just like walk in, walk, walk out, and, and not have any relationship. And y'all, Sundays are great. I love Sundays. We need Sundays. It needs to be a part of our weekly rhythms. It needs to be a part of, uh, of our daily walk with God. But rows are great, but most, but most of the time circles are even better. Where you've got someone that knows your story, that knows, that knows your story, where you've been and, what's, and what you need. And, and then, too, it's not just about getting, but, you know, even in your brokenness, you can help somebody. Even in your paralyzation, you still have working hands. To where you might not be able to walk yet, but you can hold someone else's hand and say these two most powerful words, me too. I'm paralyzed too. And let's get, let's get to Jesus together. Let's do this thing together. And that's one of the things that we want to do with this church. We want to provide opportunities for you to be in relationship to, to whether where if you're paralyzed, we got a spot for you. If, if you say, you know what, John, I, I'm, I, I got a few things, but at the same time, I feel like I'm good to go. We want to provide spots for you to use that influence and use uh, the work that God has done in you to help others get to a place where you are. Get into this place. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.